Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one podcast in all things marketing, advertising, and communications. I'm your host, Ted Lau, podcast host, award-winning agency owner, and full-time family guy. Today on the show, we have Christy Horseman, VP Marketing at Thinkific, a leading course creation platform that enables over 50,000 active creators who earn hundreds of millions of dollars while teaching tens of millions of students globally. With over 10 years of experience in the B2B and B2C SaaS space, she leads a talented and diverse team of marketers who are passionate about empowering online editors and delivering value to their customers. Christy specializes in full funnel digital strategy, sales and marketing team operations, and marketing analytics. She's also a course instructor at BrainStation, where she shares her knowledge and skills with aspiring digital marketers. Christy resides in Victoria, BC, is a mom, dog mom, and would you know it, a Dijon mustard connoisseur. We have to dig into that later. <laughs> Sounds uh, good. That was a that was a good intro. Wow. I think that was the best one I've had. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, we, we try to aspire to, you know, the great podcast gods and hosts out there. So thank you for that. But hey, welcome to the show, Christy. I'm really excited to have this conversation Ballistic Arts, my, my agency has actually, you know, used Thinkific in the past. And so I, I, when I saw that, you know, I had the opportunity to interview, I was really excited to, to hop on. So yeah, before we dig into Dijon mustard, I really, <laughs> I think we should really just talk about, you know, you and kind of your origin story, how you got to where you got, you know, yeah. um, to lead this kind of big global enterprise of a, of a, of a platform. So yeah, I, I, it's honestly, sometimes it's very, and, and this is something I think going back to 
something a mentor told me a long time ago is when you when you see these people and especially I think women that have these big um, titles of bigger companies and and you see that you think you know oh they've made it and they know exactly what they're doing and I think you know years of experience means they do have some knowledge but a lot of the time they still feel that like imposter syndrome that everyone else does um, the my like origin story and where I got started was uh, you know went to school got thought I was actually going to you know go to law school school at one point was like pretty set on that um and then decided I didn't want to work uh the hours and hours that my my uh parents did and and tried to find something that was a bit different um jokes on me as I still work hours and hours now <laughs> um, you know it eh? I know right didn't really kind of backfired but um and then finished my BA and went to BCIT for marketing and got my first marketing gig at a university at a big financial company in Vancouver um, called Canaccord. And I always say that through my first, you know, first few marketing roles, I really developed kind of two things. One is I figured out what I did not like, like absolutely like was like, listen, I don't like hauling signs to events. That's something I do not like. <laughs> um, I, you know, and I really honed in on the digital side of marketing that, um, was so prevalent and really upcoming at the time and, and being in the financial sector, they were a little slower. And so I remember writing the first social media policy for our, our advisors and and working on websites with them and realizing that this was what I wanted to do. This is this is the avenue of marketing that I really liked. Um, and through, again, a kind of a series of you know roles in and out of marketing, still in marketing in different kind of firms, um, traditional and non-traditional. I was actually at a uh, luxury fishing lodge where I was the, the sales and marketing person briefly. Um, it was an interesting one. Uh, and, uh, ended up at Hootsuite and I was, I always say that I really, uh, grew up at Hootsuite because of the opportunities that a fast growing company affords someone, um, if you're willing to kind of jump on them and was able to do a lot of different things within our, what we call demand and generation team, marketing team at Hootsuite. I ran the webinar team at one point, ran our automation team, our email team, um, all the way until running the you know demand team for our enterprise side of the business um, and uh, learned a ton there. Um, went on to a couple other startups in and around Canada. And that's kind of like where I've based since, you know, Hootsuite where I've been is, is in tech and then landed at Thinkific, uh, almost three years ago. And, uh, yeah. And it's been such an amazing journey. I came in just before we went public, uh, in 2021, which was insane. Um, after, you know, riding this massive pandemic high, big boom for Thinkific. And, uh, honestly, I think that, um, it has afforded me just a, a lot of learning, one of which being at a publicly traded company, very different than not. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my journey and how where I am today. Well, that's really very, very cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, not a lot of folks get to work for a company that goes to IPO and then now you're still kind of working because a lot of people want to IPOs. There's a lot of change and whatnot. Change. And here you are. But I th a couple of things that you touched upon that I think a lot of our listeners, especially the, the younger folks that are kind of getting into their careers, is two things that you talked about. It's like one, knowing what you didn't want to do, and then yeah. two, willing to jump at any opportunity. I remember, you know, starting my career, same thing. You know, I I, I worked my very first job. Well, 
uh, I only had one career job before ballistic was uh, when we started ballistic, I made no money. So I needed to, I was a news camera operator. Oh, okay, cool. And you talk about lugging signs and not liking lugging signs. I had to lug a 40 pound tripod and sorry, a 40 pound camera and a 30 pound tripod. Right oh with gosh. a battery pack, like looks like those Batman utility belts. Oh yeah, that had they twenty minutes. Of, they, it sucked, and I realized yeah. I I do not want to do this for my career. Yeah. And then your point about jumping on uh, opportunities where a lot of folks might go, well, that's not for me, or maybe I shouldn't do that, or I don't have the time. Can you touch a little bit about mm-hmm. bit more on both of those points around? Hey, not knowing what you don't like, knowing what you don't want to do is really important as much as knowing what you yeah. want to do and then and then the the hard work and willingness to to take opportunity i think it's um so i i have these conversations with a lot of um people on my team today when we're talking about career progression and growth and you know what do they want from their career and do they you know what what are they doing now that they they don't like and i think that it's really important as you're as you're throughout your career really um but early on in your career you have this ability to say look i'm going to try as many things, even if it's, I like marketing, like I like marketing, right? You can start with that sentence and say, look, I'm going to try as many things as I possibly can within marketing. Um, and I'm going to weed out the things I don't like. And one of the great things about, you know, some roles in a lot of marketing teams early on is that you will get opportunities to do something for three or four months, or, you know, maybe it's a one-off and you can experience that and decide whether or not you put that in your pile of like, like, or don't like, right. And if you like, you start going, Hey, you know what? I'd like to explore that a little more. And you have those conversations with your people leader or your, you know, you know, VP of marketing or whatever it is. And you say like, look, I really liked this. And, um, I really want to do more of it. I think I could be really good at it and I just don't know all of it yet. So let me, is there an opportunity for me to do a bit more of that? Let me grab something else that maybe someone else is doing or something that's nobody's doing. Um, and, uh, and I think that also goes for, uh, problems when there's problems or things in the organization that you see that nobody's solving that you think, Hey, I think I could probably solve that. If you go and say to your people leader, hey, you know what? Like, I've got some bandwidth and I think that that problem I could probably solve if you give me a chance to solve it. And, you know, nobody's solving it. So, hey, like, great. Have it. Have a crack at it. And if it doesn't go well, you learn something. And if it does, you learned even more and maybe you found another path. So I just really encourage everyone to, you know, feel like, yes, you might have a job with a job description, but especially in fast moving organizations, you have the, um, ability to learn and learn quickly and take opportunities as they come. And so just take them to kind of find, you know, you realistically, that's not going to be your job for ever and ever and ever. You could literally go to see your boss and say, look, I don't want to do that anymore. It's not part of my, it's not something that I'm passionate about. And, you know, there's always the discussions of like, well, it's maybe part of your job description, <laughs> but it's good to have those discussions and figure out. So you're even your people manager knows, Hey, if something comes up, this is actually what this person's interested in. They can direct it to you. hundred percent. I mean, I've had, we encourage actually one of the core values at Ballistic Arts is radical candor. Totally. Right. And, and, to talk about, yeah. right? and, and to, to challenge mm-hmm. directly while caring personally. And it, it's very important. And so we encourage all of our team members to mm-hmm. go, Hey, if this, if you're not loving this, but you fit the core values, we'll find yeah. something we'll find. else for you to fit. And we've had yeah. many folks on the team who have, ebbed and flowed within the organization Mm -hmm. because they actually came to us and go, you know what? 
I, I want this instead, or I fit this better. And I see this problem. It's not just like you said, I don't want to do my job anymore. That's, that's, that's a different conversation, but that's a a very different conversation, (laughs) but it it also allows us as leaders to go, Mm. wow, I have someone that I can actually count on that actually cares about their career and the organization sees an issue that maybe we as leaders don't see, or maybe we're too busy to, 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 deal with and now i got someone that's got our back like heck yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna bring that person on and and grow them so i think that's really cool another another thing that you touched you touched upon is like well okay you you if you know you like marketing you want to be in marketing great at least that's where you start now i do know this for a lot of folks that go from being the technician to now becoming management or leadership there is a shift, right? Like you, mm-hmm. I remember starting doing video production, then I did graphic design and all that kind of stuff. But then eventually I don't do any of that stuff anymore, right? Like I, I, I have a team, they run it, but that, that change, can you talk about that? Cause I'm assuming mm-hmm. you don't do a lot of the stuff that you did when you were at Canaccord, right? Like you, you yeah. have different, different challenges, but a lot of people don't want to, or don't know how to embrace the management side, the leadership side. So what tips do you have there for people, for their careers? I would acknowledge that it's such a mind shift, right? Like, like you said, and it's something that you have to, I think a lot of people feel, you know, in conversations I have where they're like, look, I'm ready for the next step. I'm ready to be a manager. I'm ready to take on more of, you know, the admin, the, you know, within the company type uh, activities uh, that a manager does, especially as you get into things like senior management levels. And I think that it really is one of the hardest shifts I've seen multiple times people have to make. Um, coming out of like an IC into a team lead, coming out of a team lead into a broader team lead. It's just, it is a mental mind pretzel that you really have to get around. Um, some of the best things I've seen and, and I, and to your point, like, you know, maybe I don't do some of the things that I used to do in Canaccord, but I, I think that I love leaders and, and this is where like you have to, the mental shift is even worse is you still want to be able to get your hands dirty at some point and you want to be able to get back in. And like the other, you know, I think a month ago I was you know rewriting an email because I, you know, wanted to get in there and talk to the team and show them what I was thinking about. And, um, that sounds a bit micromanaging, but it wasn't at the time. It was actually very, <laughs> um, hopefully helpful. Um, but I, I think that one of the biggest, um, things is, uh, learning and you hear this constantly, but it is one of the most important things is to learning how to delegate and, and really take a step back and acknowledge that you have people on your team that can do a good job and they can do the job and they're going to execute well and you need to give them that space to do it because being a micromanager is one of the worst worst things that you can do um i always tell people in my new hires that i say look i'm going to give you after your you know kind of 90 day i'm going to give you a lot of freedom And I'm going to come in. I'm still here for you. We still have regular one-on-ones and check-ins, but you know, I'm giving you, I have faith in you. I hired you and I have faith in your skill that you can execute on this job um, and this role. And I try to give people a lot of space while obviously being there to support. Um, But the delegation piece, really tough if you're used to doing everything and shifting, especially from that IC to like a team lead. The second thing is I think that people jump into leadership roles thinking that people management will just skills will just happen and for some people sure like some people are great naturally great really great people leaders 
However, that is not the majority. And even if you are a naturally great people leader, there's still things that you can do to refine that skill and get better at that skill. And it's one of the biggest failings I've seen of people leadership. And honestly, in my own experience, that if you don't hone that people leadership skill and you don't understand how to direct, to give advice, to, um, you know, not obviously micromanage, but also to um, nurture and be there for your team in ways that a good people manager is, um, your team will fail and it will be because of how you manage them. There could be other extenuating circumstances too, but that's that's one of the the, the trickiest pieces. And, and so shifting your mind from the doer to the delegator, to the person that's the, the that's managing, that's nurturing, that's listening, um, is going to be one of the toughest things. And I think that uh, I would encourage anybody on the people leadership side to just continually find courses, ask your company for courses. Um, there's some really great ones out there. There's a cohorted one that we did, and it's the the um, name is uh, escaping me, but it's one of those things where you can continually build that skill. Um, the other element of kind of shifting that I always think about is um, you have to take a broader look at your work and understand how all of your work relates to the broader organization. So maybe if you're becoming a more senior people leader or leader in the company, um, you need to take, I, you know, when you think about that T structure, right? I used to go really deep, but now I'm very stretched across like a wide area. Um, you need to be able to kind of have that 30,000 foot view of everything that's going on. And that feels very scary, I think, to a lot of people. And even with me, you know, trying to understand, like, how do I put myself in that position where I'm only getting the information that I really need and I'm not going so deep? I can't. I can't. I don't have the time. I don't have the bandwidth. But I also need to make good decisions as a leader. Um, and I think that skill is something that comes with time. It does. Uh, I don't think anybody kind of walks in knowing it, but it does start with the first two on the people leadership lens, which is being able to delegate properly and not micromanage and being a really solid people leader. Because if you have good people who are doing the things, you will be able to do your things. Yeah, I, I can't I can't really add anything more to that. I mean, the only thing that I, I've in my experience is a lot of it is trial and error. And yep. I mean, I made a ton of mistakes and totally. certainly had many teams fail over the, the many years that I've been a leader. And I think that's okay, right? Like we all need to, to figure out our path and our style. Mm -hmm. Now you were talking about courses and given, you know, you work at Thinkific. Yeah. I think like, maybe we should talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, as part of uh, the, the information that, that I have on you, that you, you really want to talk about the creator economy, mm -hmm. right? And what that's about. And, and given, you know, this whole AI, generative AI and all that kind of stuff, how does that impact the creator economy? And, and what yeah. do you see the trends are going to be in the next, I don't know, six to 12 months? So I think if it, we have embraced AI pretty heavily into our platform, into even some of the marketing teamwork. And I think the the viewpoint that we have on it, and actually um, Greg, our CEO, was just quoted in the Globe and Mail last weekend on a really great article around like how AI um, is helping businesses and not necessarily hurting them. And it's really interesting because in the creator economy, you'd think that, well, you know, if everyone can build a course, 
you know, using AI, then everybody can be a creator or what we like to call creator educators um, to kind of differentiate those that are what we think of as creator entertainers, those out in like YouTube and things like that. And um, that don't necessarily have courses and one can transfer to the other, but we, we think of Thinkific as, you know, the creator educator. Um, and if everybody can become a creator educator, we're using AI, what's like, what's going to happen to this business? And I think that the biggest thing for us is that when you look at the people who are really successful at doing this, like being a creator, entertainer, educator, whatever, um, it's because of them. It's because of them as a person. It's what we call their unique genius. And that's something that AI can't do right? That the, the personality that we have, the connections that we make with people, um, the way our, our personalized viewpoints on the world, you know, that's something that we're always going to have. And so I think if we really think about how do we emphasize this unique genius uh, for the creator and, and within their courses and how, you know, we use AI to make things simpler and faster and do the jobs. You know, we think about AI as like, you know, if you're a creator and you're starting out for the first time, AI is going to be like your first employee. Right? They're going to do the things for you that you don't want to do. And that's how you should see it. But what we want is you putting your unique genius because you're not going to be able to build an audience or, you know, maintain engagement with that audience um, unless you kind of have that unique viewpoint. Right. And you're uniquely you. Um, and then I think the interesting thing with Thinkific has been, you know, we built this platform for creators. We made it so it was really easy to get up and get started and you know, we were really there with creators along this journey. Um, but then we, you know, just kind of uh, during or just before the pandemic, we were like, look, businesses can kind of benefit from the same platform, to your point. And uh, we started, you know, selling what we call Thinkific Plus, which is more of our B2B side. But what we really did is just kind of take the power that we built for creators. And we said, look, businesses like this could be useful for you too. And we see that a lot in customer education um, type programs that our, uh, that our uh, clients and, and customers build. And the interesting thing is that you see like a lot of the trends and things that are happening on the creator side, you see them, like you see businesses trying to pick those up and trying to use this almost human type element in their marketing, whereas B2B used to be like very stiff, right? Just, and like you would go to a B, like the last time you went to a B2B technology company, like a SaaS company website, and you have no idea what their tech does because like all of the words are just, you know, like, you know, marketing speak, right? SaaS speak. And so with this advent, I think of the, the creator economy, especially, you're seeing more companies that have to like humanize themselves and really capitalize on that unique almost that unique genius and that unique, you know, point of view and personality. And that's, that's the interesting thing that we're definitely seeing, especially coming from B2B marketing that, you know, we used to have a very like, you know, step up our lip kind of tone of voice. It's changing. And you're seeing that across the board. You always see it in retail first. You know, I always point to like the Wendy's Twitter account from like a few years ago. That was one of the first, it, it went like viral because people were like, whoa, this like corporate account is allowing someone to be so sassy on Twitter to other corporate accounts. And now you see that across the board on TikTok with like, you know, all these different corporations in the comment section of like funny videos. Um, uh, I always see like NFL teams and things like that, you know, mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. and, and people are, so you're seeing that transition of that humanized element coming from, I think, you know, the creator and the creator economy, right? Of the individual tactics being picked up and companies really wanting to be seen as human.
I think that's a very good point. I mean, our company focuses almost exclusively on B2B. And mm. it's because it was such an underserved sector where, totally. like you said, stiff upper lip, or I would yeah. say boring, right? Like boring, that's yeah. what it was. It was. And, and being able to sprinkle some fun and personality totally. goes a long way, even mm -hmm. when it comes to enterprise sales or whatnot. Like at the end of the day, people still want to do business with people. It's you're not, yeah. you know, we're not just robots as it were. So I think that's really cool. And uh, your, your point about that unique genius mm -hmm. is something that uh, I think a lot of people forget, right? With AI, I, I tell this to a lot of my clients, it's, it's like hiring an intern. Yeah. Right. Totally. And that's, that's kind of the extent right now. And I think that's, that's okay. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Now, with, with regards to B2B, where do you see that going? Right? You guys are, are growing into that space. Yeah. Um, how do you see the next 12, 18 months? So I'll, like, yeah, twofold. I think for us specifically, we're really leaning into that customer education space. So B2B wise, customer education, we really believe that, especially in, you know, the economy that we're in today, um, much easier to retain your existing customers than attract new ones. I think everyone on that B2B side right now is seeing, you know, deal, you know, average deals, uh, average deal lengths extend. People are not making the decisions on software buying, you know, that kind of thing. And so for us, I think the, the biggest thing is getting companies in our space to understand that if you educate a customer, 
if you engage with a customer, if you have that unique point of view and unique genius with a customer, they're going to stay with you and doing your best to do that. And then one of the best ways you can do that is through customer education programs, um, whether it's a lead gen program or it's a reten you know retention program or it's a secondary line of revenue. That's a really great space for companies to look at today. Um, and again, take some cues from the creator market on how you build those programs, right? Um, in terms of B2B marketing overall, I see this trend just continue as, you know, we see a lot of the, the what's happening in the creator space and what's happening in like the B2C-ish marketing space <clears throat> where um, you see this humanized element coming in. And I, I often call it, uh, you know, that B2B marketing can be really cute. And cute is, you know, uh, we all love cute. We engage with cute. We think it's funny. We get a little smile out of it. And I think that this trend of seeing B2B marketing go along these same lines um, is just going to continue. And, and I think that it evolve more into seeing things like, you know, creators and, and they have communities and they have really strong audiences that they can monetize. And they do that because of their engagement and who they are. And I think you're, you're going to start seeing companies really travel into that space too. You see it in some cases already. I think a really good one that I know about is um, Cricut. If you're a crafter, if, you're, if you ever go to a Michael's, there's this thing called a Cricut machine. And it's like crafting, you're creating different outlines for things and, and like stencils and things like that. And so there, but there is a very strong community of Cricketers. And they, Cricut, they know this. They they know there's other crafting devices on the market. Um, and they really covet their Cricut community. And they engage with them heavily. And they have, you know, and I think that that's a really good example of something, someone in retail, right? Um, or CPG just really saying, look, I'm going to be human and I'm going to engage with this company. Um, you see companies like uh, Hootsuite, to do a local example, they just did a rebrand. I think it was last year. And uh, they have their mascot, Owly. And when I was there, we all the emails used to come from Owly. So when you started a Hootsuite account, you know, on the, on the self-serve side, you started a free account, you, all the emails came from Ali. Ali welcomes you. Ali wants you to do this, right? Like, and he was this friendly mascot that came to all the events and things like that. When we started the enterprise side of Hootsuite, we said, look, the emails can't come from Ali. Like, that's not going to fly. And honestly, if like looking back, me making that decision, you know, like, you know, if I could, if I could change that decision, I would have said, yes, heck Yes. The emails can come from Ali because they're cute. They're funny. They're engaging. But at the time we said, um, which, you know, arguably could have been the right decision, but, you know, we don't want to go to a Fortune 500 company and have an email come from an owl. But I think that that's the difference between then and what's happening now and what's yeah. going to continue happening in the next five years. I think it's it's true. I think there's something in the zeitgeist, if you want to call it that, where, yeah, cute. I, I wouldn't have coined it cute, but but maybe cheeky, you know, cheeky. a little bit like, mm -hmm. it, but it's, it's, it's absolutely true that, that there is a bit more permission mm -hmm. to that. I think it's, it's similar to back in the seventies when, you know, you, you couldn't not wear a suit and, you know, you, you couldn't have facial hair or whatever. Like, and yeah. now it's like, no one cares. Right. And so yeah. I think it's, it's a really good progression. And I think it gives us marketers a whole lot more breathing room in terms of the things that we can do now. Mm -hmm. 
I did want to, before we run out of time, ask about this, this Dijon mustard thing that you got going on, because like, is it from a course that you took that you got into Dijon mustard? Is it like you being cute or cheeky for your LinkedIn? Cause that's what you got. And you told me in the pre-call yeah. that you get rando sending you fancy Dijon I mustard. Do. So, so I what's do. going on? Um, so I would say that I, one, I think that I, so I've always loved Dijon mustard. I, you know, I think I, I was a mustard kid. Which is a Who weird. Who's a mustard kid? I've never yeah. met a mustard kid. Every kid likes ketchup, and you're Canadian. You're supposed to I put know. ketchup on everything. Where does mustard come from? And Dijon, let, let, let alone not not yellow mustard, Dijon not mustard. Dijon mustard. So I started was started with regular mustard. You have to have a, there's an entryway to mustard, and it's always like the good French's, you know, uh, yellow mustard. And this is going to be, I think this is going to be really gross. Do you you back in the day school hot lunches? There was hot dog day. And Always had hot dog day. Yeah. Hot dog day, but it was like ketchup, mustard, plain, or whatever, right? And relish. Like, there was relish. I think there was relish. Yeah. So I always got a mustard hot dog. And I just loved it. I don't know. My mom used to work hot dog day and she knew that I loved the mustard hot dog. So I always got one. And then it just progressed. I got into Dijon. My mom makes a really good Dijon vinaigrette. And she's actually, um, I'm trying to get her to do a, a salad dressing cookbook. She's like, her salad dressings are pretty good. Um, and so from there, it just kind of like, I couldn't get enough. And so like, if you go into my fridge, it drives my partner nuts that I have like an entire shelf of different. What do you put this there. on? Like, oh, is, just, is it just hot dogs? Clearly, you sound no. like you put it on everything. I put it on everything. I do. I eat no, a lot like of... No, not ice cream. You don't put it on ice cream. Or you know what? Like I don't think I've put it on ice cream, but I put it on like, I'll put it on like, you know, I think this is not unheard of, but I... I usually put a layer of Dijon on my toast and then like, you know, you have like an egg or like I have it with tofu. I have it um, uh, always with tuna fish sandwiches, which also like people are going to be like, tuna this, fish this woman's taste is bizarre. Wow. Um, you think? Yeah. And uh, and so I really like a little bit of spicy one. There's one with like horseradish. You know, you love the grape poupons, like everything. I make them into like salad dressings, but mustard is a key element. It, I would say the majority of my meals. So how, right. how many? So you said you went. So if I was to walk yeah. into Christie's fridge right now. Yeah. And open the door. How many bottles or oh. items of mustard, moutard, as they say, would would I have to see? There's got to be 30 in there be only because there's like a shelf in the door and then there's like a half shelf on the top shelf of all mustards, like small, big, like, you I mean, know, that's 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 a lot, man, like thir yeah. 30. I mean, I, I have a bit of a scotch collection. I don't think I have 30 bottles of scotch. They, so well, they're like, little, and they last a really long time. I guess That's so, because if you have 30, you're going to like not use the whole bottle. You're going to... And, and what mood? So so tell me, is it a mood thing? It's like, oh, today I feel like... And then I don't even know. Insert X yeah. bottle of mustard yeah. versus that. Like so, so Definitely, it's a mood thing, for sure. So on if a day like, like today, which is sunny in on the West Coast, mm -hmm. I know yeah. we call it the wet coast in Canada, but on the West sunny Coast... Today. It's sunny today. It's nice. It's a little chilly. What would you, what mustard did you dabble into today? Uh, so this morning I had, um, I, we do it a really straight, like uh, very straight Dijon with, very, I would call it a dry Dijon. So it's got a little like white wine vinegar in it. 
which creates a very dry kind of like flavor to it. Um, it's a very small bottle. I think I got this one. There's a, a store in Victoria that I found since we moved here. And it's a real, it's been a real enabler, enabler for my mustard collection. <laughs> um, and it's called, I'll give it a shout out. It's called the Market Garden. Everyone knows about it. And I just found it. Um, but it, it's such a good mustard. It's like a very dry mustard, like almost like a Grey Poupon. But Grey Poupon has like a little... There's a little something, like a little spice there, and this has no spice. It's just a very dry mustard. And so do you Do you also, like, because you said horseradish. What about, like, wasabi? Like, do you... Oh, yeah, I love wasabi. Okay, so you kind of like that kind of, like, nasally, yeah. spicy yeah. thing yeah. That, that you got yeah. going on? All right, okay. Yeah. It's, like a, it's like a thing for sure. And, like, this one in particular is really good in salad dressings. Like, it's the go-to salad dressing one for sure. Do you Do you eat, like sushi and and put mustard on you can put mustard on sushi for sure oh you do okay well because like actually you know dim sum being chinese like i put a lot of mustard on like all a lot of my dumplings that i i I don't know why it's a thing it's It's, yellow mustard it's not like a fancy mustard you know but it's good it'll do good i put we had sushi last night and i put like a dijon like a spicier horseradishy dijon on my salmon sashimi which honestly people on this if they listen to this podcast are gonna think i'm just insane but it's really good and you should try it i think i will i think yeah. i think i'm actually gonna do that and i'm gonna like because mm. i already have this kind of wasabi thing where it's like a little bit of soy sauce with like mostly wasabi it's just it just make it liquid paste so it sticks onto my sushi yeah so I, you know i think i'm gonna do that i'm gonna yeah. try look look hey creator economy i'm going to create or or part of join your creator economy of of mustard i think that's cool that's really cool it makes you unique i should do a mustard course on thinkific you should you absolutely should yeah okay so before we go um a couple of rapid fire questions just to get to know chris i know we've known a lot about you now with the with the whole (laughs) dijon thing but like let's let's ask a few more questions before we wrap it up um first thing that you ever marketed first thing that i ever marketed in like a professional sense would doesn't you have to be professional i know i'm just thinking i'm like what did i market um i mean as a child uh we i i i took a bunch of dog food samples that we got sent to our house and tried to sell them to our neighbors Oh, with a markup. So smart. Markup, markup. Free dog food samples. Tried to go over there and tell them how amazing. <laughs> Did it work? Did it, it work? Uh, no, they they called my mom uh, that this strange little child was trying to sell them uh, free sample dog food at their house. But no, the um, the I think the first thing I really marketed was um, the I think the investors at Canaccord when we, we got them on social, it was wild. They had, you know no idea what they were doing and they were on Twitter tweeting different things and you know we had to really protect the brand and so that was kind of one of the first things that we did was uh you know the social media management piece of of Canaccord was really interesting oh wow I, yeah. I would have loved to have seen some of those tweets it was it was pretty funny yeah so you got young kids what's yes. uh what's playing right now either music wise youtube wise streaming yeah um, we're in a big, uh, always love Bluey. Bluey's a big one for us. Um, if I parents are listening to this, they like, I feel like Bluey's got a bit of a cult following right now. Um, and it's a little blue healer cattle dog in Australia. And it's like an amazing, they're eight minute episodes. And I think I've cried in like four or five of them. Like they'll just, 
heartstrings. <laughs> You've cried? Oh, full tears in a oh, Bluey, wow. Bluey episode. And and now that you, I've said that, you can go look some of them up and you can, they're really good. Um, and then we, my daughter has ventured, I play select uh, Taylor Swift for her. And so she's gotten into, and a lot of them are in their movies and stuff. She loves the movie Sing. She loves singing and getting, you know, she pretends she's on stage all the time. And uh, so we've got a few Taylor Swift songs on on the repeat. And then my son is obsessed with um, Monster Mash right now. Oh, perfect timing. Right yeah, before Halloween. Seasonal. So then what about... Uh... What about the best thing that you've... Oh, I, I think I already know the answer to this. What's the best thing you bought under 10 bucks? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the mustards. It's like, so are all mustards under 10 bucks? No. Are there expensive oh, no. mustard that's There's above? expensive mustards, yeah. yeah. There was a whole nother world of, like, that store I was talking about. I was just, like, blown away. There's, like, a $25 what, what did they make mustard. It? $25 mustard? What, it's what, imported. gold in it? What, what, yeah. what are they, what, what, what's in it? It's the import. Like if you're buying the import ones from like Britain, which are like they have some good ones, right? Then you're then you're paying the markup on the import. But I, yeah, I don't know if there's gold flex or, you know, silver silver string running around the side of it. But uh, yeah, definitely under ten dollars, you can still get a good mustard. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll leave it at that. Before yeah. we go, how do folks get a hold of you? Yes, yeah, so you can uh, on LinkedIn. I am uh, pretty active in my DMs. So Christy Horseman, LinkedIn, um, and uh, and then on thinkific.com, you can check out Thinkific, uh, and you can always email me. I have uh, kind of a general email inbox at Christy at thinkific.com that I get a lot of like in general inquiries and things like that into. But I always check it in case anyone wants to, you know, have a chat and talk about marketing. Awesome. Or, or mustard or mustard or mustard, but don't, don't feel like anybody needs to send me any because people do send me some. That's amazing. That's amazing. I've never heard this before. This is like of all the interviews. I'm pretty sure there's not one we've done interviews of marketers for the last six years or something like that. And I'm pretty sure you are the first person that's ever gotten mustard sent to them just on the regular random yeah, it's, I think it's it's in my LinkedIn profile. And so a lot of our, you know, friendly sales folks that are trying to sell us, you know, software will pick up on it. And I think I always think kudos to them for picking up and doing something different. But now it's happened a few times. So that's great. OK, well, yeah. hey, Christy, it was a, a pleasure to, to a meet pleasure. you today. Learn a little bit more about the creator economy yeah. and then also think about, yeah, maybe putting that mustard on my sushi. I, I, I honestly like on the salmon specifically. Very good. I might not tuna too, but very good. Okay. All right, everybody. Well, thank you very much for your time. Listening to me and Christy here today on marketing news, Canada, we're signing off and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Christy. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.